Now let's continue in understanding our prayers. And here we're now learning from the Rikshay Lev, Woman in Tefillah, as brought uh, to us by Rabbi Menachem Naisel. And so now let's talk about the role of woman in Tefillah. And so there's something natural about a woman in prayer. Women feel comfortable with their tefillot and tehillim on buses, trains, planes, and of course in their homes. When we reminisce about our mothers and grandmothers, many of us picture them in our, their chosen corner of the house, clutching their worn sidurim, pouring their hearts out in silent devotion. When we finally recall how after lighting candles, their faces aglow with Shabbat radiance as they would shed a tear as they recited the special prayer for children. And this legacy goes back to the Imachos who sowed the seeds of tefillah for their daughters with their burning desire to build Klal Israel. But more than anyone, the woman who remains the eternal symbol of tefillah is Hannah. We learn more halachot of tefillah from Hannah than from anyone else. From Hannah, we learn that tefillah needs kavana. There's 113 words in Hannah's prayers and there are 113 words in the brachot of the Shmona Esrei. This implies that Hannah's prayer was the quintessential tefillah. We study the names of people in the Torah to gain insight into their essence. The name Hannah has the same root as Hanina, one of the words for prayer. The Torah is replete with the mighty tefillot of our ancestors. And what's so special? What's so special about the prayers of a barren woman asking for children? And is it a coincidence that a woman and not a man uttered the, the definitive prayer? So let's go back to fundamentals and analyze the male-female dynamic. Hazal teaches that if we study the first time a word, right, or a concept that appears in the Torah, we can understand the intrinsic nature of that word or concept. So if we study in detail the first time that male and female appear in the Torah, we should be able to gain insight into the essential nature of their respective roles. Our minds rush to the story of Adam and Hava. Hazal, however, tells us otherwise. There's a deeper dimension to the concept of male and female. In fact, the male-female relationship goes back much earlier than the creation of Adam and Hava. Something so incredibly important finds itself woven into the fabric of the beginning of all beginnings. Male and female are part of the moment of creation in the beginning. God created Shemayim, heaven, and Aretz, earth. In the beginning, God created the male force and the female force. The male force is the role of Shemayim, which sends rain down to the earth. And the female force is the role of Aretz. It receives the rain, absorbs it into itself, nurtures and nurtures the seeds they have planted for it. After a hidden internal process has been completed from inside of itself, it produces life. The Shemayamadish relationship mirrors the male-female relationship on many levels. It has a clear parallel to the biological creation of life. On a more complex and subtle level, it parallels the male-female partnership in creating spiritual goodness in the world in its most potent form. In a pristine world, the man alone is unable to create lasting spiritual goodness. Just as rain without the earth to absorb it is wasted, so too as a man's effort can go to waste or even worse be perverted or distorted without female, without a female to provide a bias home for his hashpara spiritual influence ensuring that it is sustainable in its pure form. She removes any impurities or distortions. She ensures that a spiritual creation has true life. And this concept can be understood by looking at the ultimate role models of the male-female relationship as the avos in nimachos. Each one of the Avos devoted his life to perfecting a particular spiritual characteristic. For example, Abraham Avinu was totally focused on Hesed. 
His tent was open to guests on all four sides, indicative of his choice to keep nothing for himself, to be an absolute giver. On the mystical level, Hesed is a spiritual characteristic that originates in the higher worlds. Unconditional benevolence has no natural place in the lowly physical world. Abraham Avinu's extraordinary achievement was to bring true Hesed down into this world. Abraham is thus the Av of Hesed, the father of unconditional benevolence. And this means that the true acts of Hesed that you and I do, free of any selfish motives, are only possible because Abraham made Hesed accessible in the physical world. And the problem with Abraham's Avinu Hesed is that it opened to distortion. Kindness can have the outer trappings of benevolence, while in fact the giver may be propelled by selfish motives. The Torah highlights this idea by calling certain immoral acts Hesed. Superficially forbidden relationships involve two consenting adults being kind to each other. The motive, however, is not to give but to take. And these acts are a distortion of true Hesed. Hazal tells us that a person who embodied distorted Hesed was Ishmael, the son of Abraham Avinu. He inherited his father's hospitality and kindness on a superficial level, but his motives were immoral. Sarah Imenu understood that her only her holy mission was to be the bias of Abraham's Hesed. She had to ensure that his Hesed would be passed on to future generations in his pure form. She had the clarity of vision to see Ishmael as a threat to the purity of Abraham's Hesed and the courage to remove him from Abraham's house. With this difficult act, Sarah ensured that Abraham's spiritual creation would flourish and have continuity. Sarah became the Adama for the seed that Abraham had planted. The Shemayim Aretz dimension in the male-female relationship can also be seen in the Hebrew words for father and mother. A father is called an Av, which shares the same root as the word Ava, meaning inspired desire. It implies a burst of unbridled energy like rain from Shemayim, which needs to be seized and directed if it is to be sustained. A mother is called Em, Aim, which shares the same root as Im, meaning if. It implies caution, if to implore, not so fast. Let's give this release power an earthly home where it can be transformed into something sturdy and lasting. A woman is created in the role of Adama. On a deeper level, Adama defines her very nature. The word Adama is the feminine form of Adam, meaning man. Adama defines both her inner nature and the essence of her mission in this world. It's interesting to note that women have a special love for the land of Israel. For example, the woman who left Egypt refused to partake in the slander of Edith Israel during the sin of the spies because they cherished the land. Hazal explained the special connection between women and the land of Israel reflects their essence of Adama. They instinctively understand the inherent sanctity contained in the holy earth of Edith Israel. And at this point, a reader may interject and ask the following question. Why is it fair that Hashem created man as Shemayim and woman as Aretz or Adama? It seems at the moment of creation, Hashem imbued in women an inferior status that of the lowly earth. And this question lies at the root of many accusations that the Torah has institutionalized a subordinate role for women. A closer inspection of what we have been have what we have uh, written brings out the fallacy of the question: Which is more important, the heavens that produce rain, or the earth that absorbs the rain and turns it into life? So clearly, the two are mutually dependent. Each on its own has no life. Rain without the earth to absorb it turns into a flood. Earth without rains turns to a desert. Both floods and deserts symbolize death and wasted potential. But when the heavenly rain and earthly ground work together, 
sustainable life is created. Each partner is vital. And anyone who has seen a base Naaman, a faithful Torah home in action, knows how true this statement is. Husband and wife work together as a team, each recognizing that his or own own fulfillment is dependent on the crucial role of his or her spouse. Together they form an equal partnership based on mutual respect and love. Together they build in every sense of the word. Together they build a home that mirrors the home of Abraham and Sarah. And so now we can understand the natural affinity that women have for prayer. Let's remind ourselves how we describe the opening scene of Adam Arishon's existence. Adam, who at the moment of creation with both male and female in one body, is made from Adama. He understands that he must justify his existence by bringing out the potential of the Adama. Both the unique Adama from which he was created and the Adama of the world in which he was placed. He recognizes that he was created deficient for this purpose. Instinctively, he looks heavenward and prays. The moment of prayer is the moment he understands that while he must bring out the potential of the Adama, he's totally dependent on the Hashpaha influence of Shemayim. Let's also remind ourselves how we describe the natural role of a woman. A woman is parallel to Adama, a nurturing and nourishing home for the Hashpaha of Shemayim, which facilitates the creation of life. She too is created deficient for her purpose and is dependent on the Hashpaha of a man to bring out her potential. And what happens when we combine the two concepts? We see that the role of the Adama from his very creation is contingent on prayer. Since the essence of a woman is Adama, her role too is dependent on prayer. Hazal take this idea one stage further. They tell us that a woman is not only dependent on prayer, but that on a mystical level, these concepts fuse into a whole. Women, Adama and Tefillah are by nature one. At the deepest level, women daven naturally because Tefillah is their essence. It therefore comes at no surprise that a woman and not a man uttered the quintessential prayer. Hannah, like the Ima host before her, had a perfect had perfected the female role as Hashem had intended in creation. As a woman, she expressed her innermost needs through prayer. Her prayers became the basis for many of the fundamental halachot of tefillah. And her prayers became the inspiration for generations of women, including many of our mothers and grandmothers. And what still needs to be explained is why the tefillah of Hannah and the Himahos is expressed through the anguish of childlessness. What, what is so archetypal about a woman praying for a child. Baruch Adonai Leolam, Amen ve Amen.